So have any of you got to watch Little Big Shots? It's a, it's a great show. I've watched it a couple times, and it's, it's, it's an amazing reminder of, of gifting that there is it's simply fact. God gifts certain people to be able to do certain things, some better than others. And if we find those gifts and develop those gifts and use those gifts, it can have a real impact on our life and on the lives of those around us. So that's just one example, and we see this all over. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about gifting today and how the Bible tells us that not only is this true on a physical level, like some people are gifted physically to do certain things physically, but spiritually as well. The Bible says whether you know it or not, you have certain spiritual gifts from God, implying that God has given you the spiritual ability to do something for Him, and you can do that thing a little better than the typical population, but just like physical gifting, that has to be used and developed, and it gets better and better and better, and the world around us gets better and better and better when we use our gifting. So I remember um, when, when my family began to go to a church that taught about spiritual gifts and actually beginning to entertain the idea that there could be the miraculous at work in, in our everyday life. And, and I remember uh, even back then some of the, the tension that developed. So, so framing this into the month, we're talking about the miraculous and how the Bible seems to say the miraculous is a regular part of God's people, of the church. And last week I talked a little bit about the tension that I feel uh, between what the Bible says about the miraculous, because I have a pretty high view of Scripture and its authority and its truthfulness. And I look at Scripture and I see that the miraculous was a part of the presence of Jesus. Where he was, there were miracles. And then even after his resurrection, in the church, among his people, through his people, there were miracles. But then I look at my own life and my own experience, and, and I don't see that as much. And there's tension, just authentically speaking, there is tension. Where have all the miracles gone? Now... We talked last week about this passage from Jesus, John 14. He looked and said, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing. In fact, they will do even greater things. This is the equivalent. He says, whoever. He doesn't say you guys, implying that he's just talking to his 12 disciples. He says, whoever. Implying that he could come barging in through those doors right now and look you right in the eyes and say, you will do not only the things you read about in the Gospels, you will do even greater things. And the tension that would flood over us as we try to wrestle with Jesus looking at us and saying, we're going to do even greater things. And, and, and there's some implications there of 
the miraculous. So, there's a book that I recently read by a guy named Jordan Sang. It's called Miracle Work. And apparently, Jordan Sang has some of this kind of gifting that we're going to read about in a minute. Uh, he embraces and welcomes the miraculous in his church and, and the gifts uh, from the Holy Spirit in his church. And he has story after story of miraculous intervention. Healings and words from God spoken that, that like, you know, into someone's life that there's no way anybody could have known, but they, they speak, you know, I saw a vision, things like that. And, and it's one of those deals, I am generally skeptical of those things. But if even 10% of this stuff is true, that, then there may be this whole other world out there. And I know, like, there, there, are, there are actually quite a few first-timers here at Polaris this Sunday. And, and this stuff makes me uncomfortable. It really does. I don't talk about the miraculous a lot. It makes me uncomfortable, but yet it's here in the pages of Scripture and so I feel like we can't ignore it because maybe God does have something bigger for us to explore. Maybe he has something bigger for you to explore. So Jordan, as he writes this book, um, he, he makes this observation, and, and there's not much to pick at it. I've never thought about it like this before. But he basically says there are four elements that are linked in the Bible to the miraculous in the world. And the first we talked about last Sunday is faith. Remember, Jesus looked at a handful of people throughout the Gospels and said, your faith has made you well, implying that it was actually the person's faith that prompted the miracle. In the same way, uh, there, were, there was an instance, at least one instance, where a group of people, their lack of faith, the Bible says Jesus couldn't do miracles, couldn't do many miracles because of their lack of faith. Which So somehow, a lack of faith blocked the flow of power. There's another instance where it says the Bible, Jesus in a thick crowd, and a lady reached out and just grabbed a hold, kind of tugged on, on Jesus' garment, and power flowed from him into her. And, and he, didn't even, he wasn't even aware of her proximity. It's not like she said, excuse me, Jesus. And you know, She was trying to remain unseen, and she touched his, the, his cloak and, and was healed, and it says he felt the power. He knew, who touched me? Somebody... Because he felt the power flow prompted by faith. So faith is the first thing. And then gifting, like we talked about at the beginning, their gifting is the next element that this Jordan identifies. And, and the Bible is, is right. I mean, he gets it from the Bible because it's there. <laughs> Paul clearly says the Spirit of God gives abilities. And I know that the vast majority of Christians, I think, kind of go through life not realizing that just like people are given physical gifts, the ability to do math well or sing, they're also given spiritual gifts. So let's just look at, and I'm going I'm to work really quickly through this, so normally you turn the lights up a little bit and follow through with your Bibles, but today I'm going to ask that you just follow along in the screen and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blaze through this, okay? So here's one of the passages, and I remember as a, as a, as a kid, not as a kid, as like a high schooler, switching to a church that kind of embraced the Bible a little more. And, and this, this is one of those passages that blew me away. This is from 1 Corinthians 12. 
Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To the other, a a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. Another, faith by the same Spirit. Another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits, like the ability to realize that there's something evil going on here. Or there's something that's of God going on here. To another, speaking in different kinds of languages. And to another, the interpretation of tongues, those languages. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So Paul deals with miraculous gifts here. Now he goes on in, in 1 Corinthians 12. Now he, he says, kind of, he says, you're the body of Christ and each one has a part of it. And he says, uh, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. In other words, if we start really uh, not liking the way we've been wired up or getting jealous of how other people can do other things... He says, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. In other words, whether you like it or not or know it or not, you have a part to play in God's kingdom. And if the ear should say, uh, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, or it would not, for that reason, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? The whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it were, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. And on and on he goes through 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I hope you'll read it this week, saying, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is wired up uniquely to play a role in the body of Christ. And apparently... Some of those gifts are miraculous in nature. Now, there's a whole other element that is very practical in nature. Remember that it starts out, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So ultimately, any of these gifts are for the benefit of us. It's not just for you. It's not just for your own benefit. Whatever God gives you is meant to be uh, enjoyed and, and we, are, we are to benefit from your gifting. <clears throat> Romans 12 says this. We have different gifts according to the gift or grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, let him prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then encouragement. So some of you supernaturally have the gift of encouragement. That means that God somehow supernaturally shows you, here's something I could say that would help the other person along. And you doing so benefits far above normal encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy or compassion, then do it cheerfully. So this list in Romans 
Uh, details like practical gifts. I hate to say non-miraculous because it's all energized supernaturally. But some of these gifts that the Spirit gives are miraculous in nature. They're like dazzling. They're sensational. Wow. That's not normal. Others are practical in nature. Compassion, serving, encouraging. And it's all for the common good for the good of God's redemptive purposes in the world. And it's all unique to the individual. And if you don't do your job, everybody's going to suffer. Now, here are some implications from that. First of all, everybody plays. It's what I love about this kind of language in Scripture. Everybody plays. And when you think about, when you, when you think about it, I think the vast majority of Christians and even churches are consumer in nature. I mean, it's built to where, like, you come on Sundays and that's your kind of obligation to be a part of that church. You go to that church if you come on Sundays and give in the offering. That's a big part of it. And then you go. And that's that's you going to church. You, You come, you give some money, and you go. But that's not what Paul's saying here. Paul's saying this is not a consumer thing. Everybody plays. And you were given gifts by God. I mean, that, that's the word of God. Because you may look and say, I don't, know. I don't know anything about the Bible. I don't know anything spiritual. I don't know how to do anything spiritual. But that, that you still have it. And God expects that you do more than just consume, or even, I don't know that there's like a consumer spirit, like I'm just take, take, take. I think that people just, all I really can do is go and kind of be there on Sunday. I'm not good enough beyond that. But that's, biblically speaking, we all have been given gifts from the Holy Spirit. So students, teens, you guys, the Holy Spirit has given you gifts. God has designed you to do certain things for the common good. And when we don't, everybody loses. You don't get to be who God has purposed you to be, and we don't get to experience what you have to give. But when we figure that out and do it, we get this understanding and this experience that God is using us. And everybody wins because that person is experiencing God through you. That's biblical. So let me now, and this is, this is like lightning round, okay? We could spend months walking through this stuff, but this is just a survey. Since we're talking about the miraculous, what I want to do is go back to 1 Corinthians 12 and walk through, and this is real quick, those gifts that Paul says miraculously are apart, because going back to that little equation, there's faith that prompts the miraculous, but then there's also gifting, and, and, and if I'm understanding the Bible right, there are some of us, some of you, that may have, and, and some of you probably do have, there are probably people in here that have been given by God these different gifts. And I wonder how many thousands or millions of followers of Jesus that have been given these amazing gifts for the common good that just are too uncomfortable and never realize 
these gifts. And I know that, that there are some of you, including me, that this is just really uncomfortable stuff, but it's in the Bible, and so we need to, we need to explore it. So the Bible says it plainly, and I'm going to paraphrase it. To one, the Spirit has given gifts of healing. Now there are people who believe that in the first century, when the apostles all died, those gifts stop. But the problem is, when I look at Scripture plainly, it's, it's, it's tough to conclude that. It sure seems to me like the Bible is saying, expect the miraculous. And some of you may have the gift of healing, crazy as it sounds. So all we know about that, all that I know to do to figure out what this gift of healing is, is to look at the Bible and see what it actually says. So this comes from the book of Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, three in the afternoon. Now a man that was lame from birth and being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where they used to, they put him every day to beg for those going to the temple court. So it's kind of like the guy that might, you know, or the girl that might be in a wheelchair outside of Jacob's, or Jacob's field, progressive field, and like just sitting there begging for change. That's the situation here. When he saw Peter and John was about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him. As did John. Peter said, look at us. The man gave him their attention, expecting he was going to give them something. And Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, this man's feet began, uh, became uh, strong, and he jumped to his feet. And began to walk. That's not the only place in the Bible where the gift of healing is described, where somebody could look at someone and speak words, and it would happen. In the name of Jesus, blah, 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 whatever the need was, and then it happened. Now, I have a friend named Jason, uh, he lives in Stark County. And um, he had a friend who was in a wheelchair who had very little movement in his arms and legs and hands. And he had heard about this pastor in Canton who supposedly had the gift of healing. And it was like, you know, time for the pastor to go home for the evening. But he got there just before he was about to leave. And, he, and this, this pastor walked up to his friend, which is very consistent with like having the gift, the ability to do it. There was no like drum roll or anything like that. He just walked up to him and he said, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up out of the wheelchair, something along those lines. And all of a sudden, his hands began to, I don't know, loosen up. His arms, his legs all strengthened. He got up out of the wheelchair and slowly kind of worked out whatever it is, the kinks, and walked away that day. Now, you would expect like, wow! I mean, I would be stirred by something like that. This pastor, with this gift of healing, it was like another day at the office because he experienced that regularly. Now, I was sitting with Jason and this dude that was supposedly healed in Orlando, and we were talking about it. <clears throat> now, I know Jason well. I don't believe he's a pathological liar. 
Like, I don't think he and this guy said, hey, let's, let's, let's concoct this thing where you were healed and we'll go tell people about it. I mean, they're not like making money off of this. It seems like a legitimate healing. And I know another guy named Dennis who lives in Medina who will speak regularly of this kind of thing where he will talk with people. And I even know some people specifically who've experienced where they've had pain, maybe a pulled muscle, something like that, and he's prayed for them, and, and it's been healed. When I talk to Dennis, it doesn't, it doesn't always work. Like he, he feels like it's just his responsibility to go and speak the words. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's up to God, and that sounds weird, but it's biblical, because there are times when the disciples weren't able to perform a miracle, and Jesus would give some corrective instructions, and then he would do it. 